Episode 91 of The Cool Room. It's the friends in your ears who talk about beers. It's Travis and David and Warren Wu will join us. Well, I presume at some point, Warren, do you reckon that's the case? Uh, he says nothing. He's not here. Travis, what do you reckon, brother? Uh, at some point in time in about 20 minutes. And we're 24 minutes late getting underway for people in the Zoom room. So thank you to everyone who's uh, stuck around and made sure that the night will be a success. It's been a good start so far. Um, we are going to talk to the guys from Little Bang Brewing Co. tonight. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, it should be, uh, should be a good chat. Obviously, um, Melbourne has just been plunged back into lockdown. So we are... Lockdown buddies with the guys from Little Bang. It's number seven. Oh, speaking of, look, he's already chiming in. Ryan's already. Uh, sorry, sorry, I know. It's Ryan's really good at talking these things up. You just, so. It just got really professional out of the clear blue sky. The, the whole rabble, the anarchic rabble before. Just so you thought you'd just bring it down or not. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's make this really unprofessional. Oh, yeah, little bangs here. Wicked. Yeah. For, for those who are listening and aren't in the Zoom room, that was Ryan and Phil from Little Bang chiming in before David had done his uh, little intro thing and uh, we'd thrown to the first beer. David. I, th- I think it's going to set the tone, mate. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it is, yeah. Yep, yep. Before we kick off into the first beer, David, is there anything you wanted to uh, add to tonight's proceedings before we start drinking? Uh, well, absolutely. Just the usual things, which is if it's your first night in the cool room, no matter whether you're joining us on Zoom or in the podcast version, uh, please do like us on the Facebooks and the Instagrams so that you can stay up to date with our news. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like a bit of a time in Australia where online uh, occasions are going to be important. And we have four lined up in August to kick things off, of which this is the first. Um, we've got a blind tasting three or four days time. We're going to be joined by Killer Sprocket. We're going to be joined again by Golden Hills. So there's some really awesome times uh, to be had online if you are locked down. And as you said, Travis, in the last hour or so, we've just found out that Victoria is in lockdown number six. So, you know, do your best. Spread the word if you can. Before we move into the beer tasting, guys, um, and before I actually do a proper introduction with you guys, um, you've pretty much already introduced yourself anyway. Um, do you guys feel like Adelaide's going to get plunged into a lockdown just because Melbourne's in a lockdown? Uh, I, well, we, we, are, we, you know, we pretty much Melbourne's doing no, it. No, I don't think you should be like someone from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, with your wanker coffee. <laughs> I think it's so big. We're pretty special over here. Uh, yeah, what you do? I guarantee we're, it's only a matter of time before we follow yeah. suit and we'll be doing as well. But it really does suck. I feel sorry for everyone in Sydney and Melbourne at the moment. And I don't really care that much about Queensland, so they can eat it. So it is. Yeah. <laughs> we used to work for a Queensland company and yeah. the scars run deep. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Yeah. I reckon. I reckon. On that note, <laughs> we are going to kick this in. So this is the this is an interesting take because normally David would just do an intro and we just run with it and he'd throw to me. Tonight though, um, we're going to talk to the guys who interrupted our introduction. So yeah, sure. it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> why don't we Why don't we start off? Let's talk about the brewery. Give us a bit of an insight and a paint us a bit of a picture as, as to where you guys are situated and who you are. Uh, all right. So, so we're just outside of the LA CBD, um, like walking distance from it, um, on the eastern side, which is the the nice side of town. <laughs> and, oh shit, I hope not from LA else is listening here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, bang, everyone else. How many yeah. enemies can we make? Yeah, Queensland's already there. Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is actually our uh, third brewery that we've built. Third iteration of, third of this one little bank. bank. Yeah, yeah. So every time with we, massive growth. We don't have a range of breweries. No. So, uh, yes, but we're just outside of CBD. We've got about 1,000 square metres here. Half of that's dedicated to production. Half of it's dedicated I'm to... to find the pictures. The, it's not going to matter on the podcast, Ryan. Yeah, the people oh, listening oh. to this afterwards aren't going to worry about your pictures, Ryan. The video. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, we'll give up. I'm pretty sure that other people are on computers and probably could look <laughs> what it looks like. So, um, so uh, half of it's dedicated to the tap room. So we've got a nice uh, big tap room here with a, a kitchen in house and twenty about to be 23, 22 taps. It's currently twenty. Who's two more taps coming on board shortly? Um, good range of beers, always, you know, probably <clears throat> three quarters of them hours, and then we have a guest range as well. Yeah, we like to pour a lot of um, other independent Australian beers as well. So, does, does your guest range consist of other breweries in Adelaide, or does your guest taps consist of other breweries around Australia? Independent Australian is usually the remit, although we'll occasionally get some US stuff or particularly um, Garage Project, uh, Adam, who's the national sales guy, is yep. a really good friend of mine. Uh, and, yeah, we love getting stuff from Garage Project. They were a big inspiration mm-hmm. when we were starting up, and um, they can cons- they consistently nail it. So they're, they're always real crowd pleasing. So we just did a, last week a Sierra Nevada tap takeover, which was nice, as fresh as we could get it from the States. Mm. You just stole my next question. I was about to say, what was the last American beer you had on tap as one of your guest taps? So that's, um, we've actually had Sarah Nevada on the podcast before. Um, Before we started the record tonight, you guys mentioned that the last time you were on a podcast, it ran for a really long time. I think the Sarah Nevada podcast would be the longest call room episode we've done. Um, So much so we had to split it across two episodes. So um, three and then chose not to put the third one out. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, the third (laughs) one was a no no go zone. Um, We are going to start talking about this beer because I feel like we're going to get way off track very, very quickly if we don't. Um, For all those in the Zoom room and all the listeners listening to this after the fact that have brought the pact we're going to talk about uh, the naked objector it is a kraken beer um hopefully everyone's opened it you guys mentioned to us before we started the record that we should take all three of the beers we're going to talk about tonight out of the fridge and have them ready to go um line them up 
line them up, which uh, we like that uh, knowledge. So for those listeners out there afterwards that have got the pack, make sure you uh, you follow suit to the guys and do the, do the same thing. Um, now, I've lined I've lined them up, but I haven't opened them. Is that what you'd like us to do? Or I think at this point in time, David, we should probably open the first one and the naked objector and start um, pouring that into a glass. I'm guessing from the looks in the Zoom room and from the look of Ryan, he's already done that. So uh, this is this is good. Um, before we, extra. we we're going to talk more about uh, the brewery and how you guys got into the beer game shortly. Uh, let's talk about this beer though. We are we're, we're drinking an IPA on World IPA Day. Um, Give us an insight into this beer. How did it all come about? And um, tell us what the listeners should be tasting while they're... Do you want to fill this one? Oh, sorry, I'll let you finish. The, I'll let you do the funny part. No. <laughs> well, it's a West we Coast IPA. Funny part. It's yeah. a West Coast IPA. Phil can... I'll, I'll, tell you through the, I'll tell you through the beer, yeah. and you can go through the actual background story of it. I'll figure out how to truncate it down to a great idea. So, yeah, is swearing allowed on this podcast... Yeah, I can beep it out mostly. All right. Sorry. We'll, we'll try to keep it to you. Preemptively sorry. <laughs> after all. So, uh, so it was a uh, initially a beer that we did for a, another tap, uh, tap room in South Australia in Adelaide called NOLA. Um, great guys. Um, but prior to me really getting heavy into the brewing scene, I was installing taps and I did their, their tap installs. So, and as the launch beer, we did a West Coast IPA, you know, all the sea hops in there, um, trying to keep it a bit dry, keep the bitterness up. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just stuck around. It's been a really good beer. By sea hops, you mean? Like, well, so... West Coast IPA, let's let's try to define it here. I'm sure many people already know, but some might not. Um, it really is the classic American interpretation of India Pale Ale, which is originally, of course, a British style. But really, it's all about putting hops right in the front. So you want it to be a fairly dry beer, even though the booze is reasonably large. We've gone six and a half, which is really quite low for a classic IPA. Um, but you want the sugar content, you want the... Uh, Final gravity, yeah, the, the sugar fairly really low, low, and the and alcohol high, and the hops punching. Yeah, and the hops, uh, the bitterness really high, and the um, and the the dry hop load really high. And what Phil just said, the sea hops. This is where we mean Cascade, Centennial, um, Columbus, Columbus, Chinook, Chinook. Was there another C? There probably is. There's five C's. in the main ones. I know there's there's even one called the seventh. Well, yeah, but, but that doesn't go in. But so you're looking for your main characteristics. You're looking for is pine cone and pine cone and marijuana is what we're yeah, plenty of residual business as well. So. Is that legit? The marijuana is that? I mean, dank. we refer to it as dank in tasting notes. That's a that's the word I was looking for. Well <laughs> yeah. done. Yep, that's. Uh, I think from the most part, people in the in the room would be getting all those things coming I get through. Pine cone. Like, I don't understand the rest of it, but pine cone, I can, I can certainly get that. Yeah, pine, yeah, pine is such a creep. We don't we don't see a lot of pine so much anymore in beers because I think we moved way to these really fruity hops. But really, I think we're going to, we're going to see a trend back towards it again. 
And the it West Coast style is killer. Like it is yeah. one of the best styles out there. It's, it is starting to make a bit of a comeback, I, yeah. I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Americans know marketing and they're a hot producing nation and they know how to flog their product. They know how to make beers with tons of hops and to make people just crave them more and more. And it's a hell of a is there a beer out there, uh, whether it's an Australian beer or a US beer, is there a beer that um, you guys thought of when you were coming up with this? Is there some? Is it a connection? Oh, you you were bringing. I mean, this goes back into a bit of our history, but you were bringing in. There was a. What was that? I used to work for an importer um, back in the day. I was selling like Brooklyn beer and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn. A Brooklyn IPA. Brooklyn IPA was very nice. Probably less like. I mean, probably the one that was the biggest inspiration would have been like Green Flash West Coast yeah, IPA. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. the original yeah. West Coast IPA. Um, Green Flash, just staggering, staggering um, uh, American style beers at the time. Uh, and even at the time from Sierra Nevada, yeah, yeah, yeah. classic. Um, and uh, uh, Bear Republic um, Race of Five is an absolute beauty. Um, yeah, yeah. All sorts of good stuff. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of rye IPAs around the time too, which they would people would tend to match with a massive amount of bitterness as well. So it sort of helps to, to meet that style. But the reason behind the Naked Objective was, yeah, we, we made this sort of classic craft style. It really was the currency of craft beer was this style. This illustrates in no uncertain terms the difference between craft beer and macro beer. Like essentially the ingredients are the same, but... What is totally underplayed and um, downgraded for efficiency and timing in a macro lager has been absolutely maxified, maximized with maxified, um, maxified mm-hmm. with as little efficiency as possible in a West Coast IPA. There are so many hops going into this thing that you end up with a whole lot of uh, sludge at the end that you you know you can't get your beer back out of, but it's worth it. Um, it's you've got to brew it for yeah. a lot longer than a macro lager. Yeah, doesn't last as long in the shelf. Yeah, yeah. All these, these so, negative I feel things. like that word sludge is going to keep coming back in the conversation oh, as we go through. It, will lead, it does lead somewhere. <laughs> How long has this beer been a part of uh, your lineup? 2015. There you go. So that's, yeah. Nola, this great little craft bar, they were setting up their craft bar. That was like just a gang of five guys who got together. Yeah, engineering and, and engineering students, I think a couple of them. Yeah. Um, and they got together just to, have a, to form a great craft beer. And we didn't have many uh, dedicated craft beer bars in Adelaide at the time. We were starting our first actual brewery that wasn't in Phil's garage at the time. So we were moving into a genuine warehouse. We had real rent. We borrowed actual money and we were terrified. And we real really thought it was Sorry? Real rent is an awful thing. I just, yeah. you know, if ever I take over the world, there will be no more real rent. Pretend <laughs> <laughs> is much better. Um, yeah, but we really felt a, a, a camaraderie with these guys because they were going through the same stuff we were, you know, uh, liquor licence applications, all, all sorts of really... Um, all sorts of horrendous grown-up bullshit that we never that we deliberately got into beer to avoid being a grown-up, and then you know being a grown-up gets thrust upon you. So we really felt for them. And these guys at Nolat had this one guy. I can't. Uh, yeah, there's so many parts of the story I can't stress enough. They are in the city, the CBD, and they have a neighbour across the street who is on the f- first floor, um, who 
were kept objecting to their building a bar, which was, I have to say this, I can't say this loudly enough, is next to another bar that is already there and a bottle shop and another bar. And underneath this guy's house is another bar and a fucking bottle shop. It's this starting to sound like you guys are in Melbourne. I know, I know. The only segment of Adelaide that felt like street, Melbourne. One street that looks like <laughs> Melbourne is great, so we want to stand up for it. Um, Barton Avenue, if anyone's wondering, is that what's going yeah, on? Down the east end. And um, uh, uh, this guy continually objected to everything they did, and it was dragging him through council, dragging out their, their liquor licence. They're paying rent and unable to open because they're having to keep going over every single thing they did. So this guy thought it was an infringement on his privacy to have a bar across the road. NOLA have uh, frosted their windows. They have agreed to keep blinds drawn and to keep people to the key inside point yeah, from 5 p.m. every day and all this stuff. The reason was this guy worked from home and he liked to work nude in front of a giant window. In the middle of the city. In the city. Yeah. And it is incumbent upon the bar across the street to ensure his privacy so he could get his dick out in a window. <laughs> um, um, well, thank goodness none of us are involved in local government or decision-making there. <laughs> but no, it ended up in court. It did. ended up in court. It was quite fr- And they, they, like, NOLA boys bent over backwards to try to get, get this through. Obviously, they put a lot of money in the bar, mm. uh, which was actually like a 200-year-old stables that hadn't been used for 200 years. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful spot. But, but um, they put the stables never used it for 200 years. That seems well, yeah, well, maybe. there might have occasionally been a horse in there, but it's, once again, it's the middle of the city, so it's timing to, to pull this to pull this episode back online. Um, you might the, the, rep, yeah. the, represent, the representation on the can is that an accurate representation oh, yeah, of the, naked the story that I get to tell? That's the meta story. Yeah, this is the meta. This is the funny part about it. So I don't even know if I should be telling this one. <laughs> uh, please tell. Please that, tell. Is, that is not me. That is a drawing of Ryan. I assisted the artist uh, in some ways by giving her a photograph of yourself but in it, the post. It was. Creative license was taken from the waist down. I'm a married man. <laughs> but she was his ex-girlfriend. She is my ex-girlfriend, but, you know, I specifically asked her to, um, you know, make sure, make sure you just, you just no, we're talking about someone, this, this guy here, so make sure you make the dick really, really small. Um, <laughs> so actual representation. I feel like we've got more content in the first 20 minutes of this podcast than we normally get on it. I was just going to say, I was pretty much going to say the same thing. Um, So in answer to my question, it's not a representation of the naked objector that was in the window, but a good representation of Ryan without hair. That's our clothes on, yes. But um, I had my underpants on. Creative license was taken. Yeah, but... (laughs) It looks like the funny thing. Okay, so taken. There's no creative license there. So, so the actual uh, another interesting thing about this whole story is that the day that the bar opened, no, the week that the bar opened, and the week that we released this beer for Nola, um, the guy actually uh, left the left the building. He moved out. He moved out. Yeah, yeah. And that oh, was. I thought, you mean, went, I thought you mean he went to the supermarket naked or something. <laughs> <laughs> he got arrested. Yeah. He but, left the building. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's the story of the of the naked objector. That is so. Uh, yeah. That is one of the. That has got to be one of the the 
best core room stories we've ever had in relation I, I, to the name I, I almost feel like we should just turn the we've only we've only just started i have no doubt that you guys have just started and you can yeah. tell by the way you guys are talking that you're obviously really great mates and you've been brewing together for like each other even longer than the breweries actually oh, exist. Just, just all the time, some part of the job. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. We, have, <laughs> we have been through thick and thin through business together, yes. for sure. So. How many How many of you, of, you know, from your home brewing days, how many of those beers actually made it through to your current lineup? Actually, quite a, quite a few because they were directly kind of put aside to, to make it. I guess it's probably better. Had you put them? Had you put them aside at the time that you're like you're you're doing them as a homebrew? Yeah. After you've homebrewed your beer, you've tried them. Was it automatically in your mind that this is where things were going to go and that beer was going to end up, or did you have to backtrack um, so, and yeah, remember you, what you drank? You need to get a bigger. You need to get a bigger perspective yeah, on where we were sitting. I think and- we were really scattergun in our homebrewing. We were just trying everything we were throwing a lot of stuff around and messing around a lot um and but then once you actually decide you're going to go commercial that's not like oh next week we're going to be a brewery that's that process itself took a year that was the main part of 2013 was um was trying to work yeah building the thing and yeah getting approvals and all that stuff so we had a whole year in that time to then take existing recipes and dial them around into what we thought for a launch selection yeah yeah did you build it first or did you did you apply first no we same time same time yeah yeah, it's right, the right way to do things. If you're a part, or would you, in retrospect, what would you recommend? There's no good way of doing. There's no good ways of doing anything. You're dealing with all three tiers of government. You know, local council, state, and then federal. Federal, and it progressively gets easier as you go up the chain. Yes. Um, yeah. Local being the most difficult. Sorry, councillor. Yeah, no, that's all right. Uh, Scott Morrison, I'm told, is just fabulous to deal with. <laughs> the ATO is excellent. They're a dream. Uh, uh, the thing was people tell you, yeah. Like the last thing in South Australia was all right. Here's your forms. You fill them out. You're done, son. Yeah. It's only in local government where you have oh, just some guy who happens to be there is now, you know. So, don't even claim to be an expert in anything now has an opinion on how it should go. Yeah, we had people typically come out to to smell the street. <laughs> that sounds like a very oh, that sounds like a very Adelaide thing to do. Yeah, you got to sniff the street out. So <laughs> there was three blokes walking around sniffing. So yeah. yeah, we made a beer with as few hops as possible. <laughs> yeah. And then so we try to explain to them it's going to be 10 times bigger than what we're doing, but they just do it. Imagine better. 10 times more than no smell. Oh, oh, okay. yeah. So when you when you took your recipes from homebrew to commercial, what what did you find were some of the changes you had to make to actually, uh, you know, you, cl- you clearly didn't take them from homebrew to commercial without adjustments and, uh, and, and changes. Was- what were the main sort of changes that were made to, to that sort of thing? It was pretty much it was pretty much a direct scale. It was a direct yeah. scale up. So you have to, yeah. You also have to know that um, uh, Phil was a not a unique home brewer, I suppose, but a, definitely one of the thin edge of the wedge of home brewers who didn't just want to have his own wacky beer on the cheap and plentifully, like many of us, me. Um, Phil geeked out hard on the process and was actually training to be a refrigeration mechanic at the same time as this so 
this rig had pumps, it had temperature control, the likes of which most brewers, most home brewers never ever see. And, and he's scienced the shit out of it. So very rapidly, myself and our brewing mate Ian were just brewing at Phil's place every weekend because it's the only place to do it because you're just guaranteed the beers are going to come out a thousand How good is it better. to do it at someone else's house where you can walk away? You don't know, no, I drive just, home. Ian. Yeah, the, I was I was a smart one. We were trying to do three brews in one day, and you know you're looking at minimum three to four hours or something like that of brew. But and we were drinking considerably during this period of time. I would start at about seven o'clock in the morning, get one hour away. My beers were perfect every time. <laughs> so, I like the rest of the beers that came out that day. Very creative. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So for, for all the for all the listeners in the Zoom room and and that are listening after the fact, we are going to move on to the second beer because I can almost see the guy's glasses and they're pretty much empty. Ryan's just reached for his ESB. Um, I'm going to throw over to Mr. Warren Wu who is opening his can and he's going to lead the, uh, the procession on this. I must say, I'm looking really forward to this beer because I don't think there's enough ESBs in the world. So uh, the more ESBs, the better, I reckon. Uh, Mr. Warren Wu, welcome to the Zoom room. How good is an English special bitter? Like there's just, I can't remember last time, last time I saw, I saw one, commercially available on the market like it's been ages it's a fucking proper beer a proper <laughs> fucking beer like back on. none of your none of your fruity bullshit uh, it's interesting uh, because where did we go we went to act we did the canberra yes yes yes, yes. And we've been drinking all these beers all weekend all weekend and then we found this one place that had an esb on and it was the beer of the weekend we even went to we were so hopped out after the festival we went to um uh, uh, uh god who does fucking crankshaft what's that <laughs> those guys in canberra you know spoke yeah, Jesus Christ. Mecca for hoppy Australian beers. We went there after the festival. We were so hopped out. We were like, we're just having double IPA after double IPA. And we were like, we should be loving this, but I'm just thrashed, you know. And then the next day we were dusty as hell. And we went to the Durham Arms in Canberra in the Burbs. And they had their own ESB on tap. It was bloody and it was just, we just stayed there for the rest of the day drinking proper pints of that it was beautiful yeah yeah that's that's awesome that is terrific is is it things like that that we've have that have big oh shit oh, hold on i'll get talking going good soon uh, <laughs> or be uh, required is, is, is it experiences like that which have driven uh, you to make your own is that part of the what, what what's inspired we've always the- had a and also gary fucking gary oh yeah we've had because we've got a lot of um of poms as our local drinkers here, you know, and uh, they come in and they whinge and moan if anything's fruity or anything like that. So, and you've got something that doesn't smell like fucking flowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, to brew a brew ESB, we both love the style. We used to bring some ESBs home. Yeah. So, you also got to remember that while we we're building the brewery and while we we're doing all this home brewing together, Ryan was working for a craft distribution. Uh, as an importer, yeah. Yeah. and and so I had access to the world's beers at Ryan's thieving fingertips. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, up discount. Yeah. 
<laughs> my finger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, I would say uh, Fuller's, ESB, Wells and Young's, oh, big inspiration yeah. as well. Um, yeah, they're the classics. Although uh, Holgate had an ESB early on. Mm, yeah. Yes. Mount Macedon. And they still that, do. Yeah, yeah. That was often really good. I had a, uh, I had a couple of um, funny ones early on um, that ended up extremely sweet. It uh, seemed unfermented, which was odd. Maybe that was just one batch we got in. <laughs> so, someone in the Zoom room just also mentioned that Hargraves Hill also had an ESB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had yeah, it's, Bell Heller one on the show a couple of weeks ago as well. The um, yeah. it's an, it's indicative of um, a beer culture that has existed for longer than five bloody minutes, like craft beer in Australia or in the USA, and has actually just hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, of just real beer appreciation as part of everyday life. This is what you get out of the British and the Germans. Um, and yes, it's we all love trendy American styles, and we all love mucking around and having a lovely time. But something like this is just a beautiful expression of particular regional malt and fermentation style in yeah. in Britain. Much as a Hefeweizen or a, a Pilsner or a beautiful German lager is, yep. yeah. Yep. And I think you can just there's a wonderful functionality to it. But you don't have to fucking worry about it too much just drink it and it will do the work for you you know what i mean you don't sit there picking hops and turn it on its yeah. side and staring out the window yeah some of the time talking to the people around you while you're drinking and then actually thinking about the beers so. exactly. yeah. yeah yes yeah so, it's a bloody good style and we always come back to the fact that these older styles they're, they're a reason they there's a reason why they've stuck around for so long is because they're bloody mm -hmm. good Mm. Yeah, I know most people on their journey through craft and stuff like that, they turn their nose up to lagers and pilsners and, and ESBs and yep. all of these older style beers. But they yep. sooner or later you cut your sick of bloody hops yeah, yeah. and lactose yeah. and bloody the bitterest hoppy beer, the the saltiest gozer, mm. the yeah. the most bloody um, black forest cake adjunct in a stout. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the most yeah. peanut butter. So you always come to solid beer. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when you talk about balance, this is exactly the beer you're talking about because the fermentation character, um, the malt and the hops are probably all in equal showing. I would also dare say the uh, water chemistry is also kind of there in equal showing yeah. as well. And There's like a subtle Adelaide, saltiness to it. The good thing is we don't have to muck around too much because Adelaide's uh, water is very much suited to ales. Um, really hard, burnt burnt not as burnt, not as burnt as burnt water, but um, it's, can, it's certainly. Can, can you tell yeah, us a bit you, more about you, that? Yeah. Can oh, you, okay. So water, water, uh, so water, obviously major component in brewing beer, and um, you know if you look at uh, you get different depending on what carbonates you've got and magnesium levels and this and that and the hardness of the water and. Um, uh, pH and everything like that affects the, the final beer because it affects the way that the uh, enzymes in the mash react, uh, what, you, what you end up extracting, the total uh, mouthfeel of the beer, bitterness, hop extraction, all of these are affected by the water chemistry. Not to mention salt. Which are salt. Flavor yeah. and so. We don't have any salts in ours, uh, sodium in ours, unfortunately. So, oh, really? yeah, very low on sodium. No, it's good. It's no, it's good. carbonate. Do do you alter your water? Like, do you do you guys do you guys spend some time playing with the water chemistry? 
Yeah, I quantum guess. chemistry is really interesting. I still know very, it's such a hard thing to get your head around. Um, but we do muck around with it uh, to suit the type of beer. Mainly what, we, what we're lacking in um, Adelaide water is calcium, and that's actually used for the enzymic reaction um, in the mash, not so much as a flavour addition. But what because we end up adding a lot of um, calcium sulphate and calcium uh, no, sodium chlorine. Oh, I can't remember. Brain, too many beers. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever it is. Um, it, it does. There's gypsum and, and there's the other one, calcium carbonate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Calcium carbonate cups or something. Carbonate's chalk. Anyway, um, it affects the type of hoppiness you get in the final product as well. So you drive one drives the malt sweetness and reduces your hoppiness, and the other one does the opposite. So you can muck around it with that. I mean, mm. I reckon you'd be hard pressed a lot of times blind blind tasting to tell the difference. Yeah. I, I think. A lot of, um, yeah, you sort of, when you launch a commercial brewery, you've got 95% of your brewing pretty much down and to the numbers and then you spend the rest of your life in brewing playing in that final 5% of water chemistry, minute adjustments to fermentation um, uh, control and style. Question on the the water thing, because you know, because we're talking about an ESB. Do you guys think, being in Adelaide, if you were to give your recipe to a brewery in Melbourne and they were to brew it exactly the same as you with Melbourne water, are we talking? How big a difference are we talking? Not polar, not polar opposites kind of thing. There would be a shift. I mean, it'd be even worse if you like if we went to Tasmania and and used their water, which is a very very light on everything, you get a you get a significant difference. Just gonna have wash your hair, you know how different it is. Well, yeah, that's it. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah. So, you but know, curious. Um, if you look at the reason that the um, best pilsners in the world exist and have for many hundreds of years in in Europe is that they're using snow melt, which is obviously very pure. And there's very little in it, which gives a very clean profile to the beer, which is what they love. So all of these things. And whereas if you look at the British stuff, they were using uh, water out of the Thames and uh, like Birthright Brent and stuff like that. With the limestone, limestone aquifers, I believe, as yeah. well, um, imparted yeah. a lot of chemical, a lot of uh, salts and, and, and yeah, yeah, hard water. Very hard water. It's what it, it – oh, yeah, not to get too deep in it because I'm not that knowledgeable in it, but it gives – Hard water has high buffering potential, which basically means you can throw a hell of a lot more at it and it won't completely fall over. Yeah, yeah the cations and the anions are in some sort of blah, blah, blah. No, no. So I have to go back and read my books. It turns into chemistry at some point. Yeah. And after several years and many, many beers, we really just remember the functional aspects yeah. that we... Okay. That's, that's really all you need to do. Yeah. And there's some beautiful tools out there if you want to um, start water from scratch, so using RO water, uh, which we do with a couple of beers, but you start with RO water and then you can match any water in the world. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you can literally go, you can pull up this thing and it'll go, and you go, all right, well, I want um, 
Uh, check, check pills and water. Yeah, all right. And it'll tell you you need to add X amount of um, you know, calcium sulfate, a bit of sodium chloride, a bit of magne- uh, this and that, you know, some Epsom salts, and away you go. And you've, ma- you've matched their water to the tea. That's so awesome. you, you can then then you move on to replicating um, the, the style of beer that you want. Then you, can match, then you can match their tea to their water. Just steering this ship completely off course, I had a mate who worked at Thames Water. Apparently, uh, by the what? time the water gets to London, it's gone through six sets of kidneys already. Oh, <laughs> oh, delicious. Oh, dude. I'm always saying recycled. Uh, well, yeah. It's, it's, Travis, it's Travis get us back on track, mate. You're in charge. <laughs> I was going to say that Adelaide tap water was uh, uh, too thick to drink and too thin to plow. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it used to be... My dad worked in the waterworks over here, so it's uh, it used to be a lot worse, but they've actually put in some filtration about 30 years ago, and it's pretty good now. But it does taste a lot because of the hardness. The chlorine really sticks around, and, and you can smell it quite a lot. So well, we do a uh, desalination plant. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pull this back into alignment because I feel like we're on the track to go from a beer podcast or a fish aquarium podcast. Um, so, Warren, I'll throw back to you in a second. But, um, guys, let's we're going to explore the story of uh, a little bit more in relation to this beer. And, and we might actually talk a little bit more about whether or not this beer was a homebrew beer and then went to being a commercial beer. Um, let's go from there. All right. It wasn't a homebrew beer. No, this was. Ah, man, I, was really, I was really hoping it was. This was an early. Like, I think we had. I think we had about six or seven recipes ready to roll from launch. We launched with three beers. You got to. You got to know that our. We didn't set out to have a business. Um, we were home brewers. We both worked in and around the beer industry, and because we were passionate about beer generally and and we were happy with that and then the beer just so happened to get good enough that i convinced phil that we should throw it out there and do some weird stuff so we, we did a saison a steam ale and an american barley wine all three styles that no one in adelaide had ever made commercially and just wanted to freak out the populace literally out of phil's garage that's that's my that, idea how do you feel about the freak out idea? I've got sort of a Homer Simpson esque, you know, it's an old fashioned freak out. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was keen for it as well because I thought there's too many. So you got to remember, this is what seven years ago or eight years ago or something like that. So it was a very different landscape back then, and all of the um, microbreweries around Adelaide in particular were, you know, they'd do a, a lager. A pale ale, like an Australian pale ale, yeah. and a stout, and that was pretty much it, right? So it was pretty, pretty mundane. So when we kind of thought, no, nah, well, screw this, look at all these amazing different styles out there. Why, why don't go with the norms when you can go and do something different? And it was because the, the idea was literally, we've got jobs, we like them, we don't have to make a living out of this. Let's we, just we let's we, do we something it. weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we had fun. Uh, it was probably early on in those jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes go south eventually. Um, so, yeah, no, but this one was once we opened up the proper warehouse because from that little shed space, um, the thing we hadn't accounted for was that every single thing we made, and I, I don't want to sound conceited about this, it just like 
we hadn't prepared for it being met. We thought people would freak out and we were looking forward to weird uh, reviews, et cetera. And what we didn't account for was that Adelaide was completely and totally ready for it and absolutely loved, lapped it up. And then people like the casino started approaching us saying, that Saison was great. I'll have it. I'll have all of it. When are you making it again? Because I'll have all of those kegs too. And so we were just like, oh. See, I was I was willing to to totally believe that the you know the festival of you know, had come across and asked for it. The casino wasn't what I was expecting you to say there. They had this they had this nice little restaurant and craft bar tucked in to the casino. Yeah, in that towering monolith of hell. Yeah. Um, and is that what you named the beard that you gave them? Or <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that had a lovely name. That was uncommon cloud. Uncommon cloud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not uncommon monolith of hell. Or no, no, no. no. We'll take all your money and give you nothing back, and you can sleep on the streets. Yeah. You yeah. know far more about marketing than I gave you credit for. <laughs> they paid us though. They yeah, paid, yeah. 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 yeah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, better than better than some places. Um, but so what we weren't prepared for, yeah, was that it should go so well. And then it back got to the point where we had to either um, uh, uh, dial it back because we had full-time jobs and families as well or go all in on it. And so I, th- I think it was actually the girls that really, our wives that said, look, this is going well. They're the ones who can look at a spreadsheet and know if something's a good thing and um, convince us to go in on it. Um, and so we got a warehouse and, you know, rent and, and real gear and terrified ourselves um, about running a business. And it was in response to people like fucking Gary coming by. They were our supporters every week. They'd come in and talk about all your bloody American beers and your, it all tastes like fruit and flowers and what the bloody hell is this? Can you be got a fucking proper beer? Yeah, what a fucking proper beer. Um, so, yeah, and we were just like, right. Gary, we're going to make you eat your words, mate. Um, yeah, and we made him keep coming back, and he and he gave us he, he gave us the due. He was in every single week uh, for his pints bitter. Yeah, you, you, you talk about him in the past tense. Is there a reason for well, that? We, we kind of a bit rigid. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's still around the traps. Is really? Yeah, yeah. we don't see him. We don't see him as much, probably because me and Ryan try not to be manning the bar in any sense. We're pretty much not allowed near the bar anymore. Yeah. Um, We've got staff that kick us out, so yeah, like so, um, yeah. It's it is in the court over the course of five years. We went from literally two of us working seven days a week with a bar in the corner and man in the bar all weekend, and um, uh, and discovering that even success as a business really has its challenges. Uh, I.e., you need to remain alive. And not a um, and at least a functioning alcoholic, um, and you need to see your family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You need to not die in an industrial accident, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, over the course of those five years, we went from being two people to I think we're about forty-two people now in a in a in a warehouse that's about six times the size of that little one. And so, yeah, now. The tap room is a whole arm of the business and we don't really work for it anymore. We are mainly concerned with production and, and wholesale branding and sales. Um, so, yeah, we just let the tap room continue being awesome and we're lucky enough to go and 
to work there and not have far to walk to go and drink there. Gary, maybe every now and then. Yeah, and that's a kind of the stat. I guess a lot of our irregulars from back in the day when Ryan and I were manning the bar yeah. every day and cursing each other a lot um, <laughs> while each was getting drunk in life in general. <laughs> that, yes, we they, everyone misses those good old times, but those good, good old times weren't sustainable, so that's, that's just the reality. Yeah. You, you sound all of a sudden, you sound quite sensible and normal. You've done the first two hours of um, somehow we knock about, have a few beers, shtick. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, suddenly there's a couple of businessmen with families. and Some are know. born sensible. Some have sensibleness thrust upon them. Um, yeah, I think we're in the, in the second category. Um, yeah, look, when people like Matt, another pom, comes in, he's like, oh, man, I remember back in the day when... You, it was just you blokes working in the corner and I didn't have to wait in fucking line to get my beer. Uh, it was great. It was great. And I was just like, yeah, when you were the only one in here and we didn't know if we were going to make next month's rent and have to mortgage our houses, et cetera, et cetera, and we were drunk as skunks and maybe someone just got electrocuted that morning. <laughs> um, yeah, look, the, the first thought that comes to me is, yeah, there was something special then. And then the second thought immediately is, it's a miracle no one died. <laughs> So I'm quite happy for it to be warm, friendly, and run like smooth as duck shit, thank you, and probably better for not having us trying to run that yeah. hospitality side. It's better for me to stay away. Yeah. Yeah. Recognising when to outsource, that's that's part of being the problem. <laughs> that's right, elegant, yeah. 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 Um, I, I, feel, I feel like you guys are living up to your reputation of uh, trying to to plug us for the longest podcast ever. This is kind of cool. Um, this is early days. It's warming. Yeah, it hasn't even been an hour. I can see. I can no, not a no. It hasn't actually. Um, I can, but I can see Warren sitting in the background here, wanting to ask some uh, some more questions. So, so Warren, why don't you ask our traditional call room questions? Because I feel like our traditional call room questions are. Are going to put us into a whole other level of Ryan and Phil that we get to see tonight. Okay, so the traditional call room question is basically: What is the strangest, most bizarre, heartbreaking, whatever? What is the most emotionally challenging thing you have seen in a call room? And it doesn't necessarily need to be a call room either. Uh, I'm, I'm a refrigeration mechanic. Refrigeration mechanic, all right. So, oh no, this, oh, this. You are the perfect. Think. We've never had a refrigeration mechanic. Oh. This could be the greatest thing ever. Booth territory was like Chinatown, man. Yeah, it that was crazy. It was. Uh, it was. There was some horrific stuff out there. <laughs> I was just warning you. I had yeah, a no, 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 list of restaurants. Had, on, what's that? Oh, no, we, we've had all sorts of things on in the past. We've had people who've worked in hospitals on before. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. No, don't, don't hold back. Bodies. So it's a, Well, you shouldn't. Well, not human. Not human. No. Organs. But literally every other organism. So I was, I'll tell you what. I was just telling Ryan this, this story today about um, <laughs> unclean call rooms, actually. And it's uh, it was one particular restaurant that I went to and the... The evaporator, which is the cooling unit in the cool room, was so choked with mould that there was no airflow going through it, so it was just freezing up. Mm -hmm. So nothing was getting cool. The cool, the cool room was staying warm. 
Beautiful, fantastic. Lots of food in there, lots of nice meats and uh, seafood. Ice and all opened to nothing was covered. Delicious. Room was already warm. I think the room was holding about 14 degrees at this point. And they finally decided to pay someone to come in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, things so full of mould, like it's going to take a while to clean out. And your lungs still have it in you, I presume. Well, and so. I said to Ray, you're going to have to get all this food out of here before I start cleaning. And they're like, no, 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 it's all right. I'm like, no, it's going to get covered. It's really bad. You're going to have to get rid of it. No, 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 we're fine. And I'm like, all right, this is no skin off my nose. So So you put a mask on. I put a mask on, yeah, yeah, I put a mask on. I had a P2 on. So, and, uh, you know, with a banister brush, you got the fans running still. Get up there, knocking the mould off, and it's just blowing it through the whole thing. I turn around. And every single big bamery dish has just got grey green over the whole lot of it, and that was going out that afternoon to get heated up and cooked up. Oh. So, and that's kind of why we call this the cool room. It's it's about what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, um, yeah. it's not always pleasant, but this is the reality of what goes. No, on. it's not. No restaurant in their right mind would like. Uh, Warren, no, I was restaurant, that I... series one, episode five, where your parents kept a shark. No, the they, it wasn't a live shark. It was a shark that was probably going to be eaten at some stage. And the cool probably room was clean. It's not exactly the reason why you refrigerate things. The cool room was clean. <laughs> That's a good start. Cool room is a fairly good indicator of um, the quality of the restaurant. Um, uh, yeah. I feel oh, yeah, like totally. I feel like Ryan's question is going to trump this. Oh, Ryan, Ryan, what is your cool room story? Oh no, uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't beat that sheer life threatening. Although maybe momentary life threatening. Um, uh, the worst thing I've seen, having not worked too many cool rooms my retail experience mainly was bottle shops but having been a rep selling things like you know sierra nevada brooklyn vine stefan a lot of imported stuff vine stefan of course were um they're not only the oldest continually running brewery in the world they are also one of the most technologically advanced breweries in the world and they spearheaded um one-way keg technology these wonderful things called key kegs they're a plastic keg that have like a big sort of goon bag bladder inside. They're amazing piece of technology. Um, and you actually push beer just using um, compressed air that actually squeezes the goon bag and pushes the beer out. Um, you're going to fill your jug? Are we going on a break? We're just going to punch right through. Oh, we're going we're gonna to keep going. We're going to keep uh, going. Yeah. But if one of I'm you have go. to go away and grab your your beers or I've still got an ESB going on here. Um, um well, well before I'll tell you, there's this one, yeah. this bloody plastic keg um of Weinstefan Hefeweizen, which against my um recommendation as a sales representative, they had kept stored outside of their cool room. Um had undergone re-fermentation, as can happen. I'm sure everyone who's frequented craft beer bars has experienced an over-carbonated beer that is re-fermented in the vessel. Mm. Uh, if you're dealing with especially wild beer, things like saisons and sours, uh, or or just um, maybe people who use more natural processes, you often get a fresher 
nice, more sort of organic kind of product that way, you're more open to the risk of, of infections when you're not doing things like pasteurizing or adding, uh, you know, uh, preservatives and stuff. Um, if it's in a steel keg, that means your beer is going to be too fluffy. If it's in a plastic keg that's in a cardboard sleeve, it's a fucking bomb. And that <laughs> motherfucker went. I was outside the pub and I thought a truck had hit a building. I felt it in my chest <laughs> through the building and went inside and just like, what the hell was that, man? Like I was just coming to visit them. And we went and looked and it's just like 30 litres of beer can cover an amazing amount of, of, uh, of ground. Every single thing in the room was just the foam. Yeah, yeah. And, and just pieces of this keg everywhere. The keg I, keg I'm going to the doctor tomorrow, more. which I probably should have done about four years ago for a similar incident, but I'm literally booked into the doctor tomorrow to see what a similar thing did to my arm when I was carrying it around. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to see the doctor tomorrow about yes. an exploding keg injury. Yes, yes. Which from four years ago. That'll be about right. Yeah, from Mr. Griffiths. Yeah. Is that the arm that you don't ever use? <laughs> is that the, you're the one you it's, don't need? It's it's an arm which it, it does lawn bowls well, but I, I I cannot throw overarm at all. So it's a shoulder injury. Yeah, I think it's rotator cuff. So I think I've done all the muscles at the top there. So. Yeah, okay. Wow. We, uh, wow. we love a good explosion story. Yeah. Don't we, we David and, and Warren? We... And that, that, uh, that keg story, we have heard from a previous um, brewery who then decided that they didn't want that story out in the open. So I'm glad someone else has kind of chived in and given us that story. I'm blaming some other brewery for it. Yeah, it's good. that's fine. It's good. Yeah, yeah. What, are you, they, what are the Germans going to do? They're not dangerous. <laughs> no, but except that we have them on the show quite a bit, and um, really? we we uh, we enjoyed Von Stefana's visit last year. They are, I can't say well, too much at the moment, but we might. We'll be say, I will say they are probably you know some of the highest quality procedures of any brewery in the world. But it can, it, you know, you get one wayward cell. In the it floating around in the wrong spot, and yeah. give it enough time and enough temperature, enough nutrients, anything can happen. That's why we like, we deal with microbiota for a living. You know, that's, that's exactly what's wrong in my shoulder. I figure just one errant cell. Microbiota. Um, you've got, microbiota. Maybe you've got a scoby in your rotator cuff. You but we do. We, we are genuinely lining up what might be our biggest ever show. Well, at a live venue in Melbourne with Vine for a oh, oh, I, thought, I thought you were saying we were about to crack the longest show. No, no, no. You've got six hours to go. I'm going to, I'm going to go to bed and I'll get up and you're still going. I think David was just giving our listener base a, a scoop. And um, I, I, I mean, yeah, the listeners will probably pick up on the scoop. But um, David, do you want to uh, divulge a bit more of that information or you want to hold on to it? Uh, I can, I've divulged all I genuinely know at the moment, but, but Von Stefano want to do an event in Melbourne with us. That's all I can say. And they're looking for a venue that they can do it in. I reckon it's about sludge beast time. Everyone has the sludge beast in their glasses ready to go. And we're going to move on to our third 
and formally final beer to go on to before we um, just sit around and have a yarn. That's the beautiful thing about being in the Zoom room. We'll be here for hours. We're going to stop recording in about half an hour or so, but, you know, let's talk Sludge Beast. Um, I get the feeling like this one's been around with you guys for a while. Tell us the backstory. Tell us, you know, tell us what this beer means to you. Yeah, this has got a story, this one. Yeah. Um, this does date back to the home brewing days, but it was not a commercial beer for several years um, because even, yes, even when we were home brewing and tried to re replicate it, it, um, it, we couldn't figure out how to do it. Um, look, you. I like to take, cheers, man. Um, sorry, Corey's piped in. Yes, <laughs> you're, uh, correct. Um, um, yeah, look, I like to, um, as with so few of our beers, I like to take credit for some of the, <laughs> the portion of this. Um, uh, uh, this I feel like this illustrates beautifully um, why uh, Little Bang is the way it is. Uh, it is a nice representation of the relationship Phil and I have creatively, which was um, potentially in many cases I'll try to apply something that's perfectly unrealistic to a scenario and Phil will be tasked with how to um, actually marry that to what in reality will work or or is possible um i suppose um this, so the way this was born was um phil myself and our friend ian as our, our brewing buddy uh you if you know our beers 50 dalrymples he is uh, dedicated to mr ian dalrymple our, our old homebrew buddy um we decided imperial stout should happen so we all went away and brewed imperial stouts um, we just didn't compare notes. We brewed Imperial Stouts separately. And then like six weeks later or something, we um, compared them. Um, and we liked different elements of each other's different stouts. And I thought I'd take it upon myself to build the ultimate Imperial Stout recipe by literally looking at all three recipes and just slamming them together. And, of course, any <clears throat> anything that was duplicated I wouldn't double it in the recipe. I'd just say, oh, well, they've all got this many kilos. These, they, well, they've all got this many kilos of base malt, so I'll just have that. But we all use different specialty malts. So well, I ended up with, like, five different grades of crystal and three different grades of roast and oats and... Yeah. It was, and, and if anyone out there in the brewing world knows, you can't make a beer with 70% adjunct. That's unfermentable. <laughs> it's just not going to count the mast. So, so just genuinely, just, let's just pause for a moment and explain for very new craft beer drinkers yeah. what that really means. Okay, so so if you in, in very like, so we've got this term called base malt, and that is the base malt that we use in a recipe. So that's what we'll use as predominantly the, if not a hundred percent of the beer, it can be probably. Let me pick a number. Say, let's say seventy percent. Uh, as a as a minimum of of your of your beer recipe because and then everything because that's your main fermentables that gives you alcohol gut that gives you your um, uh, your general feel of the beer everything that is beer everything that, is everything beer. that the yeast can actually yeah. and yeah. and then what we have on top of that is what we call adjuncts so that's stuff that well 
a specialty malts. Uh, there's a couple of different terms out Crystal there. Malts. But you've got, you've basically roasted got. Roasted malts. Yeah, so you've got your dark roasted malts. So they don't actually contribute anything to fermentables, they only contribute to colour and flavour. Uh, crystal malts, kind of same thing. And then you've got a whole other things. You've got wheat, you've got oats, you've got rye, you've got. Uh, we've got, what did we do today? Cornflakes today. That was interesting. 200 kilos of cornflakes. Oh, hang, hang on. What's the scoop there? Come on. You no, know. it's actually not. It's called, it's called Brewer's Cornflakes, and it is just flaked corn. And it's for a very new special beer that we are putting out. Yeah. And uh, when's that going to be available? So. About time? Yeah. Well, five weeks? It's lager ish. No, it's so more. five weeks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> good, good. Just don't want to let that one go. Lager ish. Yeah. On, so. well, we've never played around with uh, flaked corn either. So, um, and it was interesting to see it come in big, bad, big 25 kilos of crunchy sacks. So, there you go. That's the title of my good name for a beer. That was Oliver Sacks. Uh, Oliver Sacks' nickname in high school. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so anyway, yes, uh, we ended up coming up with this. I ended up coming up with this utterly unrealistic recipe. Uh, attempted to make it, and it, it is. It, it does get a little technical. So, you know, uh, is everyone familiar with what a mash tun is? Where you have your mash, which is all your grain, I and it's wet. Everyone in the Zoom room will be, but imagine there's going to be a whole lot of people on the listening in. All right. So, yeah. All right. So you're making you're making porridge, and you're draining, and, and, and in the porridge are enzymes that turn starch into sugar, and you're draining off the juice from the porridge. And that is what gets fermented into the beer. That's all the lovely grain juice that that it gets made. Um, in this instance, and you, you, by by doing that, you make porridge in like a colander kind of thing. It's got it's a it's a a, a, a vessel with holes in the bottom that lets the the, the well, liquid. What we call a false bottom. So if you hear false bottom, it's the term of that. Yes, that colander, which is a perforated sheet at the bottom. So, yes. What you want is grain and water in a vessel for an hour, nice and warm with enzymatic reactions going on, and then you let all the wonderful juice out. But with Sludge Beast, you open it up and absolutely nothing comes out because it's turned into just a black brick uh, and because it is mainly unfermentable sugar that is just sitting there like a block of freaking treacle that doesn't want to go down holes. So um, by hook or by crook, we were going to get the juice out of it and we ended up sort of scraping it with a mash paddle to get it through. And as a result, all the resulting bottles, which were, I must say, utterly delicious. It had coffee, it had chocolate, it had... Ryan's got far better memories of this than I do. Soaked oak. Uh, or every everything and the kitchen sink thrown at it, um, but it had a good two inches of goo in the bottom of each bottle, which was like a gritty, wet tarmac sort of consistency. So in each sort of brown plastic homebrew bottle, you could only pour about half of it before the goo would start to reach the lip. And if you let even a few drops of that into your glass, it was utterly revolting. And that was the little sludge beast conundrum was it would be wonderful or hell and regardless of which of how good you could get it it was always absolute hell to produce uh, would break everything would make a huge mess every time yeah 
Um, so it, it took several years before Phil finally agreed. Relented. Yes. <laughs> making it again. And if that basically in, entailed utterly rewriting. Yeah, it was a complete rewrite. From, from scratch, yeah. But, but, but it's, it's still it's, different every year. It is. It is. It's got a lot of seasonal variation to it because it's got a lot of uh, unusual ingredients in there. But it still is the hardest and worst beer to brew that we have. It's still it's a whole week this year. Yeah. So normally we could we could do like this year we could do with our new kid eight thousand liter um, eight eight thousand liters out of it in a day, uh, two days at the most kind of thing. This was a solid four days. Uh, uh, ten-hour day shifts uh, for the brewers to get through each one of them. It really does still suck a lot. So, and you have to baby the yeast because it is quite high alcohol. The yeast stress out a fair bit. So you got to really help them along and give them a really nice environment to live in and lots of nutrients to keep them going. Uh, otherwise, a, st- a ferment stalls out. Um, this year was a good run, actually. It was the biggest one yet, and it worked out perfectly. Yes, but we like to make as much of it as possible. Each time, I'll give you a hint on that. Um, perhaps an oat-aid version of the sludge base. Yes, there is actually one in bourbon barrels at the moment. Yeah. It's only six hundred liters, so it'll be a limited release. So, and what's it called? Uh, uh, Kentucky sludge. Kentucky sludge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the what's the bourbon? Fudge beast. No, it's the bourbon. Oh, uh, it's in uh, Buffalo Trace That's barrels. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. It should be lovely. Stuff. It should be nice. So we got new, well, new, new old Buffalo Trace, which still had some residual bourbon mm. or some ethanol still in the bottom of there. So it should be quite lovely. Yeah. So we can, uh, we can, um, yes, report that even after like two weeks in the bourbon barrels, it had picked up a lovely amount of character, and it's yeah, it's really something. Um, Fudge beast is happening as well. It has happened. Fudge beast is also a thing that will happen. Uh, yeah. That we did um, sludge fest. Which is our Phil's wearing the merchandise. Yeah, you can really see it on the podcast. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, not just yeah. video. Um, uh, we did Sludge Festival last well about three weeks ago, four yeah. weeks ago, yeah, before the lockdown, and um, we did a couple of specialties, which was a keg of Fudge Beast, yeah. which was with our, uh, South Australia's very uh, highly loved. Hi, Stephen Tahorst. Yes, yes. Chocolatier. The chocolatier extraordinaire. Yes. So He's yeah. collab with him and made Much it. like us, an artisanal food and beverage producer who is just a <laughs> dodgy fucking geezer. Yeah. <laughs> and we get along like a house on fire, yeah. making fancy stuff while being just a fucking <laughs> perverted douchebag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so fudge, um, and we did so we did this dinner degustation dinner, and fudge beast was on there at the very so last. Fudge beast was um, a a, uh, a salted caramel peanut butter brownie version of fudge beast. Yeah, and it was very lovely. And the first thing people said, "When are you gonna can it?" And so it's like, oh, even like, more. You've had, you've had like 150 mils of this stuff, haven't you? Had enough? Like <laughs> this is disgusting. It's so sweet. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but 150 mils was enough. And the rest, maybe you'll pour it on a pancake and then, yeah. It's the only time we've ever really gone full pastry stout and it's still a style that I grapple with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Struggle yeah. to enjoy. But the bourbon one I'm looking forward to because that's, that'll be the unadulterated version of Sludge Beast. So it doesn't have the cacao added or to it or the coffee. Or the, yeah. Or the other hook. Yeah. The other, so. yeah. So, 
It's the base. It's the base imperial with uh, bourbon. It's actually much more aggressive. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And oh, and the thing that Ryan's really proud of with the sludge oh, beast. Sludge beast, beast is great. If the sludge beast without all the other stuff added, would definitely be this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great the idea. Is, the thing is, um, anyone yes. out there is that Ryan's most uh, biggest claim to fame on this is actually the artwork for the can, which he which he's done a very good job of. Well, that was mine. Well, it was original. Yeah, it's it's not that just simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yes, it's like a beer with teeth. Yeah. That so. breaks everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my Beer from hell. Monster. Monster beer. We only do it once a year, thankfully. But we did have a wonderful, um, that British guy um, who does, who reviews, reviews every beer in the world on YouTube. You know the guy's name? He's like... Um, craft beer and car scales or something but he he um he was a lovely welsh fellow and he accent they used for the palms right? someone sent him a sludge beast from adelaide in south australia um and sound very welsh yeah i'm surprised he's not playing in the front row you know it was very welsh and uh his review was down the crows i thought that was great Real ale craft beer. Real ale craft beer. Yeah, he's yeah. wonderful. You can look it up on YouTube. We're gonna we're gonna start to wrap up the recording side of this evening. Uh, for those, it's all gold. It's just getting going. Oh, we've still got we've still got lots more to go, but um, we like to keep the podcast to a, a reasonable level. For those in the Zoom room, you guys get to hang around and chat with the guys and ask a ton more questions and those guys are going to drink more no doubt guys can you give us your social medias where do we find you facebook instagram youtube ah we, do, uh, we haven't done it no we've YouTube had a youtube has languished since covid we've had other things on our minds <laughs> um yeah like remaining alive <laughs> uh yeah but we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's it, we we have much more, many more plans for it. There's about seven episodes up there. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's just been on an extended hiatus while life got stupid. Yeah. I'm not sure we've ever. I'm not sure we've had a, a brewery on the uh, courtroom meet the brewers that have had a YouTube channel. So that's oh, kind of cool. Like I like that idea. Yeah, you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> 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 so we've got some very good uh, long-term uh, drinkers here who are um, who are one still works for the ABC. The other one is ex ABC. Uh, one being a cameraman. What did Bob used to do? Editor. 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 Okay. So the perfect. You know they know what they're doing. Doesn't mean we do. So yeah. like beer. Yeah. So we meet well. Okay. Where do we Where do we find you on Facebook and Instagram? What's your uh, handles? You know, on Facebook. Little Bang Brewing Company on Facebook. No, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Wait, wait, I'm looking it up. <laughs> yeah, Little Bang, Little Bang Brewing Company. Uh, Facebook. Wait, wait, wait. Is there some hashtag or something? Yeah, it is. It's like at little, 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 little. Just the top. look, Little Bang Brewing Company. You know, there's there's a people. search bar in there. No, I can't see it on here. Ah, at Little Bang Brewing Company. There you go. 
this seems to be a regular thing with a lot of breweries when we get to this point of the night where they forget what their social media handles are. So we will put those up in the show notes of the episode so everyone can find you. Another thing I've got to say with the social medias is that if you don't want to be on the social medias and you would just rather a newsletter sent out, Kerry and Ryan both put together an exceptionally good um, newsletter that's uh, all concise and very nice to read and with a lot of pretty pictures in it. Um, and all you need to do is uh, send a, a request to hello at. Yeah, we've, got a, we've got a, there's a little box you can put your email in on our, on our website. Yes, we are very sensitive and um, in simpatico with people who don't want to be on goddamn social media. I love that. That's actually really cool. We'll put the link to your website in the show notes as well so people can get to that. Um, we are going to, like I said, we're going to wrap up the recording side of this, but everyone gets to hang around in the Zoom room and have a bit of a chat. Move into the office as well because stand-up comedy's just started next to us at the tap room here and it's getting a bit noisy. I don't think it's going to be any better. No, that makes sense. I was just about to say there was some noise coming through in the background that I was wondering yeah. what it was. Um, can you uh, can you tell us who the stand-up comic is for tonight? What's the deal with airline food? Am I right? Who is hey, it's Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, okay, we're going to change this Thank episode you. and we'll see how he responds. <laughs> <laughs> and what's his name again? Siri Jeinfeld. Who's <laughs> 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 fucking overrated? <laughs> All right. on, on that note, guys, I think we'll, we're going to wrap things up tonight, guys. Ryan and Phil, thank you for joining us in the call room. Thanks for having us. It's been thank an absolute you blast. For your patience. Your you patience. guys have been, uh, uh, yeah, you've, I reckon we could drag this on for another hour or so. It barely even started yet. It hasn't even touched the sides. Yeah. yeah. You can sit around and enjoy it with the Oh, Jesus. It's getting late. Go <laughs> 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 <Out of> bed, Spotty. <laughs> All right. On that note, we will stop record and just sit around and take the roof off it. Hey, Cool Rumors. Uh, that was our episode with Little Bang Brewing. They were an absolute pleasure to have on the show. Uh, they quite entertaining hopefully you all enjoyed listening to it um i've come on at the end here to give you a bit of an insight into what else is going on there's so much happening in the call room over the next couple of weeks starting with killer sprocket on the 12th of august there's still beer packs available for august you can check out our social medias on facebook and instagram at cool room podcast you'll be able to find all the details to the shopify store there and how to get your pack delivered which will also include the blind tastings for august we have three more sunday blind tasting sessions coming up on the 15th 22nd and 29th of august yet again find the link to the shopify store and you'll be able to see all the details for those Along with that, we also have Golden Hills coming back on the podcast. They were on the podcast last year during our lockdown. A reasonably new brewery at that point in time. We've decided to get them back on to go through some of their new products and see how they've been traveling over the last 12 months. You'll be able to get the pack for that as well in the August pack. They are on the 19th of August. And then on the night before that, on the 18th of August, we've also just been informed we'll have the boys from Carl and Sal is back on with a couple of surprise guests, hopefully uh, 
to go through their Furious 5 tasting pack. This is the pack that came out after their Magnificent 7 pack, which was the last time we had them on the podcast. Make sure you check out all the social medias and check out the link to the Shopify store. You can find all the details there on how to get your packs and how to get them delivered. And hopefully we'll see you all in the Zoom room very soon. The Zoom room, which is now open whenever you want to pop in and say hello. Um, And yet again, you can find all the details and the code to get that on the social medias. Cheers, guys.